church, go ahead and be seated. Go ahead and be seated. Good morning, Christ Church. Y'all just want to go home? I mean, we ain't, you know what I'm saying? Good morning, Christ Church. How are we? Hey, is, is, is it the first Sunday of the year? Right? Yeah, it's the first Sunday of the year. Yeah, that's my thought. You guys should be excited. I'm excited to be with you. If you're not excited, I'll be excited for you. How about that, all right? Uh, well, good morning, guys. We are excited to, to be here with you guys, excited to serve with you guys as well. Just a couple of announcements before we jump uh, into the message. Um, we are going to be, uh, uh, st- uh, be doing a Better Together Sunday next week. Now, what Better Together Sunday is, all Better Together Sunday is, is just a time where we emphasize what it looks like to, to be a part of group life. You know, here at Christ Church, it's, it's more than just coming to church on Sunday, right? Uh, this is fine. This is good. Like, we're glad that you're here. We're glad that you're serving with us. We're glad that you're uh, uh, in tune and worship and, and, and all those great things on Sunday mornings. But being a part of group life grows you and I in a certain way. It, it produces within us uh, the, the spiritual aspect, but also the relational aspect. And here's what we've been saying ever since we've been doing better together is life is truly better together, right? Being a part of a life group, being a part of a, a, a class, whatever it may be for your spiritual development, but not only that, but for your relational development as well. And I'm excited to announce here at our campus, we have started 10 more groups coming up this winter. There's only one excited, but that's okay. That's all right. That's only one excited. I wish you guys were excited like the angels are in heaven, but uh, we'll continue to move. Uh, we're going to start in 10 new groups here at our campus. So that's 16 groups for you to be a part of. We have a, a men's group. We have a couple's group. Uh, we have a, a, a young adult group. You name it. We have it. We have Bible study classes. We, we have theology classes. I mean, there's a whole plethora of things. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray about it this week and ask God, where is he calling you to grow and where does he want you to connect next? Right? Some of you might be like, ah, man, I'm cool just coming here on Sunday. But I'm telling you, the better version of yourself happens through relationships. Okay? The better version of the best version that you and I want to aspire towards is going to happen through relationships. So I'm going to ask you to pray this week. God, where are you calling me to connect to next? And don't worry, we'll have it all laid out for you. It's uh, also available online for any groups that you want to be a part of. So pray about what God is calling you to do next. Uh, But not only do we have our better together, we also have our team night coming up on the 25th. Make sure that I got that right. So that is a Thursday, uh, the, uh, the 25th. All the campuses are going to come together. So we're all going to meet and gather at our Columbia Station location. That's our West Campus, this campus, and obviously Columbia Station. And we're going to be hearing a, a special vision cast of what it looks like to move forward uh, from our lead pastor, Dave Collins, a.k.a. Doc is what we call him. So mark your calendars, uh, January 25th, uh, team night. We're going to be gathering at our Columbia Station. I believe it starts at 7 o'clock, but I could be wrong, all right? So go to the website, go to the app, do whatever you need to do, all right? But there we go. Or grab a card. Kim's got it for you. Hey, let's jump into uh, uh, our reading today, and then we're jumping to prayer. We're going to be reading out of James chapter 1. James chapter 1. I'm excited for this special read. Title of our of our message today is a thriving year. 
right? Thriving through the year, right? Having to have a year that thrives. So James chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, it says this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Verse 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let the steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in uh, nothing. But if, if any of you lacks in wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all with, without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, without doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Verse 8, he is double-minded. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let's pray. Dear Father, we, we pray, Lord, that you would give us the tools of what it looks like to have a year where we thrive. Not just have a year of just surviving, but a year of thriving. To have a year where when we hit December 31st, 2024, we are looking at the end of the year saying how good and gracious God has been to us this whole year. Lord, I pray that we invite you in to do that very thing because you are a God who desires that we thrive as well. You are a God who desires that we are fully living up to the potential uh, that you have put in each and every one of us. We pray, Lord, that we can find joy this year, that we can find a sense of peace this year, that we can find a sense of hope, that our faith would be our superpower this year, that faith would be the, 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 the strength uh, uh, to get us through not just the uh, the, the good times, but also the times that aren't so good as well, too. So would you please, Holy Spirit, would you please lead us? Would you please guard us? Would you please keep us? But, Lord, most importantly, I pray, Lord, that this would be the year where we become closer than, to you than we ever have been before. I pray that people draw more in intimacy in knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I pray that people would, 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 would for, uh, forsake the things that are keeping them from Christ and they would pursue him in a much more deeper way. We love you and we thank you. We sing your son's perfect name is who we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, do me a favor. Stand up and say hi to four people around you. Say hi to four people. Say hi to four. Yes, the number four. Four, 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 four. Say hi. Give them a high five. Give them a hug. Give them a chest bump. Don't make it weird. <laughs> that's my mother. That's my mother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> amen. Amen. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. Smiles. Hi, Nathan. How are you? Hi, Nathan's mom. How are you? <laughs> oh, I love this church. I love this church. Hi, Erwin. How are you? Hi, Tobers. How are you guys? It's a very famous family over there on the left, as everybody know. <laughs> well, good morning, guys. Uh, I want to talk about the year to thrive, a year that you and I will thrive. Not just a year we'll survive, but a year that you and I for sure will thrive. Well, every single month, uh, I usually get to talk to my old college buddy on the phone, usually like maybe monthly. Usually we talk over the phone or we just text one another or whatever it may be, and every time we talk, we always talk about the good old days. You ever get with old friends, and you talk about the good old days? And for some reason, we call the good old days or the days where we were stupid. 
um, the days where we were ignorant and uh, should have been arrested and I mean, a little, bit, a little bit of everything. I mean, the good old days. Yeah, the days where we were, like, you know, getting in trouble and running from the... It's just, just ridiculous. But, um, you know, we always uh, we talk about the, the, the times in college and things that we did. It's always good to talk to him. But, but one day, he posed this question to me. And I remember uh, when he asked me this question, I was like, man, I, I never thought about life in, in this type of way. He says, Devon, if you could go back... He's asked me this question. He says, Devon, if you could go back, what is the one thing you would tell young Jovan? He said, well, if you could go back, what is the one thing you would tell 18-year-old, 40 pounds lighter, right, a little bit more reckless, what would you tell young Jovan? And I thought to myself, I'm like, man, that's a great question. I, I never thought about it in that way. I never thought about, man, if, if I had the chance, if I had the opportunity, if God just popped up today and said, do you want to go back? You know, I, I, like, I don't know what I would say, but I thought about it after we got off the phone. And there's a plethora of things that I would tell young Jovan. I mean, it would be like a dictionary long type of things that I would tell young Jovan, uh, an 18-year-old Jovan. I, I, I would tell young Jovan, don't take out a loan, okay? Don't, listen, if you don't have cash, don't get it, okay? Don't take out loans, all right? Uh, I, I would tell young Jovan to work on your character, Right? Your character will get you further than anything else. I, I would tell young Jovan, not every girl you meet is the one, okay? Just relax. It's fine. You know, life is just going to keep moving forward. You don't always have to figure out, you know, your love life right then and there, all right? Right? I, I, there's a lot that I would tell young Jovan. I mean, I can go a whole sermon with telling you a young Jov- uh, what I would tell young Jovan. But you want to know the one thing that I would tell myself if I had the opportunity. You know, the one thing I would tell myself is trust God more than you trust yourself. Right? Right? Trust God more than you trust yourself because God's plan is better than your plan. Right? Like, uh, that, would, that would be the one thing I would tell my young self. And let me ask you that question. What would you tell your 18-year-old self? Do you remember that? <laughs> Do, what would you tell your young 18-year-old self? Right? What, 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 would the, what would be the one thing that, that you would say to that person that, uh, if you had the opportunity at that time in that moment in your life? Let me, let me ask you a, another question. What would you, if you could go back a year ago, you could go back one year, what would you tell your 2023 self? Right? What, what, what would you have told your, I'm talking about the first day of 2023, what would you have told that person? Right? And and today I want to talk about what it looks like for you and I to, to, to focus on the, the important things for this year, right? To focus on the things that's going to help you and I to thrive, right? To help you and I to flourish. There's one thing I want you to, to truly connect to today is that God wants you to flourish, right? That, that God wants you to thrive, right? And if that's what God's best for, if that's what God wants for, for each and every one of us, well, then, friends, we should allow that to be a big part of 2024 as we move forward, that this will be a year of thriving, that this will be a year where, where we flourish. And, and it takes for you and I to prepare ourselves. I think the reason why I would tell the young Jovan a lot of stuff is, uh, is because I wasn't preparing myself back then, right? I, I wasn't preparing myself for what was to come. But guess what, friends? We still got life left, right? 
and we can prepare ourselves for 2024. I can't, I can't go back to 2023. I can't go back to 2008 when I was in college as a freshman. But the one thing that I can do is to move forward. It's to prepare for a better future and a future that God wants for each and every one of us. Are we awake this morning? Are we guys, are you guys awake? Let me know you're alive. My gosh. Pulling teeth in this room, all right? So James is going to help you and I to learn what it looks like to have a year where we thrive, to have a thriving year. Uh, and James is going to give you and I a perspective and a mindset towards that. But the one thing that I, but I, that I want you guys to know is that, that in order for us to thrive, in order for us to flourish, we have to learn how to face our problems better. Does that make sense? Shake your hand. That means you tell me you're alive, okay? That means, yeah, all right? If you and I want to thrive this year, if you, you and I want a better year than what we had last year, we got to learn how to face our hardship in a much different way, right? We, we, we got to learn that at the end of the day, these things are going to happen, and, you know, uh, life is just going to be life. And it's not so much the, the, uh, how you grow or anything like that, but it's how you respond when life gets heavy, Right? <clears throat> it's how you respond when life doesn't go your way or my way or any of our ways. And, and, and I want you guys to realize that when we have a better focus, we're going to produce better results. Right? When we have a better focus, we're going to produce much better results. And James is going to help you and I. Can I get some water from somebody? James is going to help you and I to respond in a certain way way. W and I to, to thrive in a much beautiful way. So let's go ahead and look at James chapter 1, starting in verse 2. Thank you very much. I'm dying up here. <coughs> uh, starting in verse 2. I don't know why I drink it like that. I drink it like a baby. You guys see that one like this? I don't know why I drink it like that. So here we go. James is writing to a group of Christians who are facing difficulty at that, mo at that moment that they're, they're in their lives. James is, is writing to a group of Christians that are facing hardship, right? He's writing to a group of Christians that are facing persecution. And what does he want to do? He wants to give them hope. He wants to give them a sense of endurance. He wants them to learn how to move forward. And, and, and what he wants to do, he wants them to help how to shape, how to face the difficulties in their lives. Because here's the thing I want you to know, friends. If you take it down notes, write this down. When we understand God's design for trials, we respond differently. When we understand God's design for trials, for the hardship and the challenge and the difficulties that we are going to face this year, we're going to respond differently, right? right? We're going to respond in a, in a much better, in a much different way. Because James helps shape our reality of our difficulty. He's going to help shape our response in difficulty. And then he's going to talk about the reward in difficulty. All right? So let's go ahead and talk about the reality of difficulty. Talk about the reality of hardship. He says this in verse 2. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Let's stop right there. Here's what James says. James says this. Guess what? Trials, hardship, difficulty, they're inevitable, right? Trials are inevitable, friends. There's nothing we can do to avoid challenges. Uh, in high school, I used to love playing dodgeball. 
Most of the reason why I love playing dodgeball, because half the kids that I played dodgeball against, I was way more athletic and I hated them. But uh, I, I love playing dodgeball, and I would always, always just try to throw the ball at their faces. Oh, that's what I would do all the time. And I would get them out. I would, I, I would throw the ball in their face, and they would say, ow, and have them fall down. I mean, it was the best thing ever. But you know, the, you know, the, the concept dodgeball is kind of the, the same we carry ourselves in our lives, right? Right? The goal is to dodge the ball, right? The goal is to not get hit. And for some reason, we have that same, same uh, concept even in our own lives. You and I uh, uh, try to avoid the hits and the difficulties, and when life hits you in the face, we want to avoid it as much as possible. But James tells us there's no way you're going to avoid it. Life is going to be difficult, Right? The Christian life is going to be a difficult life. The, the Christian life is going to be a life where you're going to get kicked in the pants. You're going to get punched in the mouth. You're, you're, going to do, you're going to have all those things happen to you. And James tells us there's nothing you can do to get around it. Now, how encouraging is that, friends, right? <laughs> but, but James helps us to understand this. Trials are un, unavoidable, but in Christ they become profitable, Right? Here's what James is going to teach us. Trials are difficulty. They're never wasted. Right? Everything you're going to go through this year, if, if, if in Christ, if you allow it to, is going to benefit, benefit you next year. Right? It's going to benefit your character. It's going to benefit your relationships. It's going to benefit your career. Right? The, the difficulty that, that we are going to experience this year is going to help us to, uh, 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 to, to move forward in a much better way. Right? Because here's the thing, friends. You and, I, you and I wouldn't be where we are today without hardship. Right? Right? We, we wouldn't be, be the men that we are today. We, you wouldn't be the women that you are today without hardship. Right? Sure, I, I want life to be easy. I want my credit score to be 750. I want to pay off my, my student loans, right? I, I want all of that, right? But, but let's see the great gift of hardship, right? Sure, trials aren't are, are always great, but they do produce good. Does that make sense? Trials aren't always great. They don't always feel good. Now, here's what James means by trials. When he says, count it all joy, uh, count it all joy my brothers, when you meet trials, and then he says of various kinds, different trials in different ways, right? So here's what he means by trials. Trials are not suffering. I want to help clear the air real quick. See, this is a year where you are going to, to be tried. You are going to face difficulty, right? We're going to have trials. And here's the thing James tells us. God brings trials in our lives. Let that sit for a little bit. The God of the universe the one who died on the cross for you and I, the one who was buried for three days and rose up Sunday morning, he brings trials in our lives, right? It's a hard concept to understand, but we must, we must separate trials and suffering, right? Because trials is not suffering and suffering is not trials. See, what suffering is, suffering is, is something that comes from evil or something that comes from sin or wickedness or whatever it may be, right? right? We live in a broken world, right? where people get cancer, where people get sick and ill, that's not from God. That's because we live in a broken world. That's because we live in a broken society. Sin has affected us all the way from Adam even till now, right? 
right? And that's why Jesus has to come back, has to restore humanity. He's the second Adam. That's all theological. I know that bores you, but that's the purpose that I want you guys to know. Trials are different than suffering. Trials are this. Here's what trials are. Trials aren't, you know, when you get sick or when you lose a loved one. That doesn't come from God. But you want to know what trials are? Trials are when you work with a coworker that gets on your nerves. Haley and Logan don't say anything. But anyway, you know, when you, when you, when you work with a coworker, that makes you angry. Anybody have that person? In? Oh, yeah, you know that person. I see a lot of head nod. Everybody's woke up after I said that one, okay? You know, trial, trials are, 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 are not when you get a flat tire, but trials are, 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 are when someone uh, disrespects you, right? When someone... Uh, uh, gets out of pocket is what the culture would say. It gets a little out of pocket. Disrespect. Trials are, are when you're facing financial setback, right? Right. When, when you're facing a, a real f- a financial um, uh, 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 situation in your life. So for, for, for us to, to better understand, you know, the, the afflictions that we face in our lives, we got to realize Suffering, God doesn't want us to suffer. Now, we're called to suffer for behalf of Christ, but that's a suffering that's more about persecution, right? God doesn't bring, uh, now he allows things to happen, but he's not the author of the things that happen. Does that make sense? God allows things to happen, but he's not the author of, of, of sickness and evil. But he does bring trials in your life because he loves you, right? Like a good father who loves his children, he's going to bring some testing in your life, right? He's, he's going to bring some trials in your life, and these trials are meant to test you, and they are unavoidable. We can't, we can't do anything with them, but we do know God uses them in our lives, right? God uses them in our lives. God brings great purpose from those things from within. Number two, uh, here's, here's another reality we got to realize. Trials expose and they tr- transform. Now, here's, here's what I want to say about this. Uh, sometimes when difficulty comes in our lives, it's a, it becomes a great mirror into our soul. When, when you and I, when we face moments we don't like, when we face the trials and the conflict, when this person's getting on your nerves and you're getting on that person's nerves and that they're making life hard or, or you're making life hard, whatever it may be, trials become a mirror to our hearts, Right? It's a great way of how God does some great growth in you, right? It's a great way that lessons are produced within that. It's a great way where you and I were gain a, a much better understanding of ourselves and our need for God, right? Because trials expose us, right? They expose the defects of our hearts. They expose the inconsistencies of our souls. They expose the character issues and the character flaws that we have, and they transform us as well, too. Trials, see, friends, here's the thing. See, here's the thing about Jesus. When you, when you have Jesus in your life, you see your difficulty differently. Does that make sense? See, when you have Jesus in your life, you see your problems differently, right? See, you see your situation, yeah, it, it's hard, it's difficult, but it's a way God's going to do something within you and within your life as well, too, right? Uh, anybody... Anybody hate taking tests when they were in school? Anybody bad test takers? If you're not raising your hand, I mean, I'm judging you inwardly, just letting you know. But um, 
That means you were a good test taker. Any good test takers in the house? Anybody that love taking tests? Uh, I'm judging you still. Um, <laughs> right? Hated taking tests. Right? But what's the test for? Think about it. James says that, that the trials are, are ways God tests you. Right? Is God trying to hurt you? No. Right? They're like a test that you take in school. What's the goal of the test? The goal of the test is to measure where you are. So if you have a test that's, that's 20 points and you get 20 out of 20, right, you're where you need to be, right? But if you have a test that you get 2 out of 20, which happened to me a lot, but if you get a test that you get 2 out of 20, right, that says what? There's a lot you don't know, right? Right? When James says God brings trials in your life, he doesn't bring them because he's up in heaven going like this, ha, 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 ha. No, what he's trying to do is he's trying to, to test your faith. And he's not testing your faith. He's not testing your life because he has nothing better to do but because he wants to grow you. Because he loves you. He wants, to see, he wants you to see, hey, you know, you failed over here, but my grace is sufficient, and I want you to see it in a much different way. Right? Right? The, the, the difficulty God's going to bring in our lives, don't look at it as, oh, man, you know, why is this happening? But rather look at it as, okay, how is God going to grow me from this? Right? What if, what if that was your approach? God, how are you going to grow me from this? What, what are you speaking in my heart right now? What do you want me to understand? What do you want me to learn in these moments? I, I love what this one author says, Pete Scarzario, he's He's, he writes the book, Emotionally, Spiritually Healthy. We did a sermon series on that a couple years ago. Uh, Pete Scarzario is a very great book. I tell you to uh, buy it literally today. But he says this. He says, he says the, our difficulty in trials are places God teaches us and our hearts become the classroom and he's the instructor helping us. Right? I thought that was awesome. Right? right? Trials are the place where God begins to teach us. Right, where the great teacher gets to give great instruction to his students. Right, so don't look at trials as, man, why is this happening to me? But what does God want me to know? What does God want to teach me in these moments? Number three, the reality of trials, the reality of our difficulty, it produces grit. Now, grit is one of my favorite words that I'm clinging on to for this year. If you're taking down notes, or if you have your phone, write down grit. G-R-I-T, right? Or if you want to write down a different word, resilience, right? What if, what if, what if our year, friends, can, uh, stick with me on this. What if our year wasn't us tracking how much we grow, right, which is good. I think you should do that. But what if our year was a year us learning how to get back up when we fall, Right? What if, what if this was a year that, that yes, we're, we're in tune with how we're growing, we're in tune with how God is shaping our hearts and our minds, but what if this was a year where we told ourselves, at the end of the day, I'm not quitting on this area of my life? What if, what if this was a year where you say, I'm not quitting on my sobriety? I'm not quitting on my marriage. I'm not quitting on my, I, I'm getting back up on the horse, and I'm doing it again. And I, I, I fall, but guess what? I'm doing it again. And guess what? Over time, the more you follow Jesus, the more resilient you become. Because you tell yourself, I've been through this already. I've gone through divorce already. I, I've lost friends before, Right? I've been financially set back before, but guess what? The same God who got me through that 
will get me through this. That's where your resilience lies. Your resilience lies on the faithfulness and the promises and the goodness and the truthfulness of Jesus Christ, our Savior. What if this was a year where you and I, we endured? Where you and I, where we say, this stinks and I'm tired. Anybody just been tired lately? You feel like you just don't get enough sleep? My wife and I, and listen, I can speak and spend all day talking about this. You know, anybody, anybody feel overwhelmed with work? Your job gets annoying? Anybody overwhelmed with their family? All right, honey, relax over there, okay? Relax, relax over there, all right. You know, preacher's wife, relax, you know? <laughs> right? But guess what, friends? It's easy to look at those things and just, and just, and just stare at them and say, man... I want this to be different. And I get the sentiment behind that. I get the sentiment where you say to yourself, man, I, I just want to be anxiety free. I get that. But can I tell you right now, let me, just, let me just speak to that real quick. Those are ways how God is, with, without you really knowing, James tells us, he says, he says uh, uh, it produces the testings of our trials. They produce steadfastness. Little do you realize the, the overwhelming, stressful moments are actually making you better. You don't, you, don't, you, you don't realize it at the moment. All you realize is how tired you are, how exhausted you are. But what God is actually doing through faith, he's actually increasing your capacity to keep going forward. Right? He, he's increasing your capacity to say, man, this is hard. And, and I'm in a lot of pain and I, I'm going through all of this. But my God will supply every one of my needs according to the riches that are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, I'm going to move forward. What, that, what is that doing? That's making you more resilient. That's God, that's God growing your capacity to trust him, right? Because here's the one thing God wants you to do. He wants you to trust him, right? He, he, he wants you to be in a situation where it feels a little bit weird, a little bit wonky, but guess what? You can still trust him. It produces grit within each and every one of us, becoming a little bit more and more resilient. I love what this one guy, David Villa, says. He's not going to be on the screen for you. I'll just read it for you. He says, to break it down, resilience, resilience in the most simplistic form, all it means is when you fall down, scrape your knee, bust your lip, you're still getting back on the bike. <laughs> right? You fall down, scrape your knee, bust your lip, but I'm still getting on a bike, right? What if you told yourself this year, man, life's going to be a lot different when you continue to move forward, right? And you continue to say, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to move forward in these moments. Uh, number four, before we close, trials produce, produce a deeper intimacy with God. Here's the one thing I want you guys to know, and, and this is what I kind of said a little earlier God, God desires to know you. And sometimes when the moments are really hard, you ever notice we only really go to God when life is hard? You ever notice that? When, when things are good and we're going to Hawaii and we're taking vacations and we paid off some credit and, 
you know, kids are good, kids are listening to you, nobody's rebelling, you're thriving at work. We kind of just, we kind of distance ourselves from God a little bit. We, we don't never go to the route of saying he doesn't exist. We don't ever go to the route of saying that we don't love him, but, but, but there is a, 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 a distance that's created in those moments, right? But you want to know what difficulty does? Difficulty actually grows us closer to God. Because the great gift, the great gift isn't when God removes the difficulty, but the great gift is when God becomes more and more real in your difficulty. That make sense? The great gift is not when God makes, makes you pain-free this year, right? The great gift, the great prayer you can pray this, this, this week and this year is not God take away my problems, but God, as I go through it, become more and more real in my life, Right? I love what this one pastor says. He says, I wouldn't know God without pain. That was a very interesting quote. I wouldn't know Jesus is gracious and merciful and kind and loving and truthful without my difficulty. Now, I'm not saying we just walk out of here and say, God, bring on the pain. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not telling you to do that, Right? I'm not telling you to go outside and just say, Lord, let it rain difficulty, you know. Treat me like Job. No, don't do that. Please, Lord, don't do that. But, 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 but there is a sense where we, that we are going to face some things. Maybe you are facing that thing today. Like there's something that's truly annoying the you-know-what out of you. There's something that's, 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 that's truly uh, burdening you. But can I tell you, friends, maybe, maybe, maybe difficulty is a great way God becomes more and more real in your life, more and more intimate in your life. And here's what James says. Here's a response, all right? We understand the reality of difficulty. Here's a response in difficulty. Verse 5, he says this, if any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without, uh, without reproach, and it will be given to him. The response is we need to go to God, and we need to pray, God, make me wiser. You ever prayed that prayer before? Ask yourself, a, ask yourself a real question. Have you ever, in your prayer life, you know, most of our prayers is, Lord, thank you for this home. I love it when my son prays. He loves to pray for everything in the home. He'll say, Lord, thank you for the cabinets. Thank you for the floors. Thank you for the carpet. Thank you for the door, you know. Thank you, thank you for the socks. I mean, you know, keep our feet warm, you know. It's awesome. I love it, right? Right? <laughs> but when was the last time you prayed, God, make me wiser? And can I tell you right now? A lot of you in this room today, I've gotten a chance to sit down with you and talk with you. You carry a lot of wisdom in your life right now. And can I tell you right now, most of that wisdom was gained through hardship. <laughs> right? Right? When I, need some, when I need some direction, I'm going to some of you. Right? I'm texting you guys. Hey, man, I need some help in this area. And most of you can tell me the next best step because through difficulty, you've achieved wisdom. So what's the goal of difficulty? The goal of difficulty is to make you wiser. Make you wiser. Make you to live with a, with a sense of discretion. Make, make you live with a sense of direction. Make you live with a sense of, okay, I, I know the next best step. That doesn't mean my next best step is going to keep me from difficulty, but it is going to help me in the long run. Here's what I want you to know. God is a generous God. Notice what James says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Listen to this. 
and it will be given to him. God is generous. And here's what I want you to do. Write, write this down if you're taking down notes. God is generous, and he wants to equip you with what you need to endure. God is a generous. He wants to give you what you need. And what do you need? Wisdom. Right? Read the Old Testament. Friend. Read the whole Bible. I mean, wisdom spews all the way through the Bible. Right? There's a whole book on wisdom. Y'all know what that book is, right? But Proverbs, written by Solomon. Right? I, I love in the Hebrew, I love in the Hebrew, wisdom means, watch this. If you're taking down notes, write this down. Wisdom means skillful living. In the Hebrew. Is that cool? And in the Hebrew, wisdom means this, uh, living to win. I thought that was really cool, right? And so the wisdom God gives us is a wisdom not just for us to avoid problems, but to help us to win. To help us to live life with a, with a, sense, uh, with a set of skill, right? Skillful living. That's the kind of wisdom God wants to do. God wants to give you a wisdom that guards your heart, Right? The wisdom that guards your heart from any anger, any frustration, any lashing out that you wanna that you wanna do. God, it's wisdom that guards our heart. It's the wisdom that guards our minds. Right? It's the wisdom that knows, you know, hey, at the end of the day, God is with me. That's that's a wise that's a wise choice to to make in your life. To say, God is with me. Right? Guards our hearts, guards our minds, guards our mouths. Right? Right? Guards what we say. Right? And, and, and God wants to give you, each and, you and I, a sense of wisdom more and more in our lives so it can guard, but also it can guide us as well, too. But I love what James says. Notice James says in verse 6, he said, if anyone asks, let him ask in faith without doubting. Now, let me talk about this for a quick second before we close. There's going to be moments in your life where you're going to question God. If you haven't been there, give yourself some time, you'll get there. <laughs> if you haven't gotten there, <laughs> just, just wait, you know, just wait. If you haven't questioned God, and I want to talk about this thing of doubt because sometimes when life gets so hard, because remember, James doesn't just say trials. He says trials of various kinds. Sometimes we're in 10 different trials at once. <laughs> Everybody, It's not just one trial. Right? It's like 10 different trials, right? There's various trials, right? And it's, and it's easy to feel tempted to say, God, what are you doing? God, where are you? Right? And, and I don't think James is trying to tell us you should never doubt. I, I, th I think James is trying to tell us not to be consumed with doubt. Because here's the thing, friends, I, and, and I want you to know this, that, 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 that doubt is, is normal to the Christian life. But here's the thing, friends. We grow from doubt. We learn to overcome our doubt, not by ignoring it, but exploring it. Does that make sense? We learn to overcome our doubt, not by ignoring it, because there's some things that we question, like, okay, is this real? Like, is this, you know, but we also learn by exploring it. Doubt is the moment God wants you to know him in a much deeper way. Doubt, the moment you feel doubt, that's the time where God says, it's time to know me much more. Because where you're doubting is just a place where you need to fill yourself with God more, right? And starting in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be starting an apologetic class here at the church. 
Apologetics, all it means is learning how to defend the faith. Apologetics seeks to answer tough questions. Questions about the world, questions about humanity, or questions about God and, and heaven and eternity and all of that. It's a real cool class. And, and, and I want to encourage you, if you're doubting today, if you're doubting today, come join us, right? Come join us. It's going to be a great class. It's going to be a class that's going to help you and I to learn how to explore our doubts, right? Because God's not, listen, you should never be the Christian that says, well, it is what it is. This is what I doubted. No, God wants to answer your doubts. God wants to answer the places where you're down. Let's do a couple of things before we, before we close. Um, this has got to be a year where we choose to endure. Number one, endurance is a choice. It's a choice we must make. We have to choose to do it, right? And guess what? We're going to do it over and over and over and over and over again. Like you constantly take that same route to work over and over again. We're going to have to choose to be resilient and endure over and over again. Because guess what, friends? The blessings in endurance, the great blessings are through when we say, I'm getting back on and I'm keep moving forward and I'm trusting God in all of this. Number two, endure, endure with patience, right? Endure with patience. Learning how to say to yourself, you know what? I can't have an Amazon Prime type of blessing every single time. But we know what the one thing I can't have? It's patience, right? Some of us, we need to exercise patience a little bit more this year, right? You need to be patient with your spouse. You need to be patient with your children. You need to be patient with your job. You need to be patient with your church, right? right? We, we, need to, we need to choose to be patient. And number three, endure through prayer. Can't say this enough, friends. The most important thing you're going to do this year, it will not be just you coming to church it will be the, uh, the daily seeking of God's face in your life. It will, be God, it will be you seeking God daily and often, right? right? You want to learn how to endure? You need to pray more. <laughs> you need to pray more. But I pray already. No, pray more, <laughs> right? Uh, 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 Paul says in Colossians, uh, constantly, steadfastly pray, <laughs> Right? But also, as he say, pray without ceasing. <laughs> pray, pray, right? We need to connect to God. We need to ask God more strength, more strength. Give me more grace, more grace, more mercy. I need it, I need it. That's what it is, right? Because prayer connects us to faith, and faith is our superpower to endure throughout this year, right? But Jesus, friends, Jesus is our great model of endurance. I love what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every sin and weight, uh, what clings so closely. Let us run, listen to this word, with endurance. You're awake, right? Let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us. Why can we run with endurance? Well, here's part A of that verse. Bring it up, bring it up. The race that was set before us, looking to Jesus. Listen, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy was set before him, what did he do? He endured the cross, right, despising the shame, and he is seated at the right hand of God. Look at it, verse 3. Verse 3 is even better. It says, consider him who what? Endured. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself 
So why? So that you and I may not grow weary, faint-hearted. Jesus is our model of endurance, the endurance of the cross. Because Jesus understood the aftermath of the cross. Jesus understood the reward of the cross. And what was the reward of the cross? Two things, the glory of the Father, that the Father will be glorified through his suffering, that the, that the Father will be glorified through his crucifixion. But also, number two, humanity will be drawn near. Humanity would be drawn near and he would get his flock, right? He understood. Listen, it was hard for Jesus. Read the Garden of Gethsemane, prayed very hard, like, like, uh, sweating like drops of blood. But he endured. Why? Because he knew. He knew what was coming. And as a Christian, you know what's coming in your trials. You know how this plays out. You know how the story ends. Right? You know how, how all this shakes up. Let's pray. Dear Father, we, we pray that you would give us a heart of joy this year. Give us a heart of of peace this year. Give us a heart <coughs> the, of, of understanding and wisdom this year. I pray, Father, that you would continuously increase our capacity to trust you. I pray, Lord, that you would increase our capacity to, to look to you when things are difficulty, difficult. I pray, Lord, that you would give us the capacity, Lord, give us the grace to trust you when things don't seem clear, that you would help us to endure, that you help us to realize that all that is hard right now produces good for us, if we learn to trust you, if we learn to look to you in our lives. I pray that we would have a year where we learn and develop a sense of being resilient, because Lord, we are going to fall. And sometimes we're going to fall because of our own doing, of our own choices. Sometimes we're going to fall because of just the heaviness of life, right? We're going to fall because of the, how hard life is. But, Lord, I, I, I pray that you give us the endurance to get back up and say, I'm going to trust God again. I'm going to get back up and I'm going to trust God even more because he is the author and perfecter of my faith. Joy was set before him. You endured the cross. You despised the shame. Now you are seated at the right hand of the Father. Consider you who endured such hostility against sinners so that we may not grow weary or faint-hearted. We can endure because, God, you purpose all things. You bring purpose to everything. So help us. In your son's name, as we pray. Amen. No mm-hmm.
church. May the Lord be with you. God bless you. We'll see you guys next week. Take care.